go. Here we go. Hi, this is St. John's Live, and I'm Sarah Rose Smith, and I'm solo today. No longer have Alan Day. He's with his child. Um, Charlie just had surgery. Take his tonsils out. It's yes. exciting. Well, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to go through that. Um, but today I have a special guest with me today. Jake Jouts. Jack. Jack. Oh, it's okay. Man. Second time today, guys. I'm not good with names. They said I call you Joshua, which is the name of a lot of seminarians in the Diocese of Lansing. That, that would have been terribly offensive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like five of you, five of them named Joshua. Yeah. I think, well, four, maybe three, Do four. they differentiate themselves by, I'm Josh and I'm Joshua? Um, they do. I think, uh, well, I don't know. I think they number themselves. But I can't remember exactly how that works or something. I don't know. They do have a they have a method. They have a method. But I, I don't I don't pay too much attention. <laughs> or does the bishop number them one, two, and three? Like my dad named us all Squeaker. And we were Squeaker number one, two, and three. So I yeah. was Squeaker number one. No, yeah. Not not that I know of. I don't know. So All right. So our guest today is a seminarian from the Sacred Heart Seminary. So tell us. What is a seminary? A seminary is a is a place where you go to prepare for the priesthood, basically, right? It's a it's a place. Uh, usually, I mean, it's it's a school largely. That's one of the the major components uh, that that we do is we do a lot of study to prepare for the priesthood. But it's a uh, it's yeah, it's, it's a place where we go to discern uh, what God's calling us to, um, whether it's the priesthood or some other state in life, whether you know maybe married or or religious mm -hmm. brother. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that's what a seminary is. And so a seminarian is one who, who's going there to, to, um, pursue what we would say, pursue the call to priesthood, um, whether that's, you know, or, and to discern that call to the priesthood. Um, and so there's the different elements, uh, right. We have the intellectual, uh, side, the, the intellectual formation where we study, uh, we study, study what, you know, the, the truth of the church. Um, we have the spiritual side where we do a lot of praying uh, in preparation. Um, the the human side where we, we learn how to be a good Christian, good Christian men, um, and then the then the pastoral as well, where we do the kind of practical uh, training of you know what what does it mean to to you know help somebody through their their crisis in life like anything a priest might do. Nice. So yeah, very important stuff. Oh yeah. So tell me about where you are and the process. So I am in my six and a half year of, of six and a half years as a seminarian. Um, and so I've, I've done the, the first stage of, of seminary formation is always to study philosophy. Um, and, and so I spent four years studying philosophy and then, uh, the next stage is studying theology. And so I'm about halfway through that. I've done that for two and a half years. I've taken a break from studies currently to spend time, uh, in a parish. We call that a pastoral year. Um, and so I'm, I'm currently on a pastoral year at St. Joseph's Parish in Howell. Uh, and uh, so I'm there just kind of getting some more experience, um, taking a break from studies to, to do more prayer and, and just kind of soaking it all in. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, uh, it's a good experience. And then hopefully in about a year and a half, I'll be ordained a deacon. And then two and a half years from now, I'll be a priest. So 2024. 2025, I'll be a Five. priest. 2024, a deacon. Ah, okay. So I can do math. We're working math. on it. 
Okay. So on the diocesan website, mm-hmm. when I'm looking at you and your fellow seminarians for the diocese, yeah, you guys have different collars. And yeah. some of you guys are in suit and ties, and some of you have collars like you. So what's the difference between the different looks? Yeah. So the the way we dress, right, is there's a reflection of, of the, the place we are in life. So a priest will wear a collar, right, so that people can identify him as a priest, as a representative of Christ in the church. And so... The, you start wearing the collar when you move from the stage of studying philosophy to the stage of studying theology. You go through a rite uh, during a mass called candidacy, uh, and you declare before the, the bishop and before the church your desire to be a priest, and he accepts you on behalf of the diocese. And so when you're making that change, so everybody who's wearing a tie— uh, is is studying philosophy still? They're still in that first stage of discernment and of preparation. Um, and those who are wearing a collar, and there's a few different styles you can wear. Um, there's no real difference, but those who wear a collar um, are in that second stage. They've declared their intention to to pursue the priesthood, uh, and the and the bishop has accepted them uh, in that in that process. And so they they're on the on the back leg, so to speak, or the the, the final the final leg. Um, on their on their preparation nice. for the priesthood. Because nice. I always wondered about that. I thought, oh, the ones with the little white showing, are they like the cool kids or like what? They might think so. They might think so. <laughs> <laughs> but the real true cool ones are the ones like you? Uh, you know, we try our best. <laughs> you got to keep it humble. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite part about where you're at in the journey right now? Um. Where I'm at right now, I mean, the best, it's really nice to not be in school. <laughs> I get that. Um, you know, after after six and a half years of, you know, uh, college and, and postgraduate studies, it's, you know, it's it's a lot. And mm. and so it's a, it's, it's a, you know, I realized it, I, I just started in January. And so right before Christmas, as everybody was kind of getting ready, registering for classes and thinking about buying books and things like that, I was like, man, I don't have to do that. And it's, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's freeing, you know, in a way. But it's it's really freeing because it it's an opportunity to to you know study what I want to study right things I don't have time to do you know when I'm in class or doing other things like that and then also time to pray um, a lot more time to to pray and just um, experience the life of the church in in a real setting not in a classroom um, because yeah that's this opportunity to to just spend time in a parish it's it's what. I want to do right. It's it's. I don't want to be a seminarian forever. Mm. I don't. I don't want to be. You know, just studying theology and and being. You know, a, a sort of academic myself. You know, some some guys will enjoy that and and will maybe do that um, as priests. But what I really want to do is I want to be a priest in a parish and to serve the people of God. Nice. And, and so this is an opportunity to to do that. It's been it's been really enjoyable and life giving and, and kind of a reminder of okay, this is what my seminarian preparation is for it's it's an opportunity to to really see like this is what i'm i'm doing and i can't do it you know fully yet i'm not i'm not a priest so i can't celebrate mass or do things like that but you know in in some small ways i can i can serve the people of god uh and and bring christ to them so what are some of those small ways since you can't you know celebrate the mass Mm -hmm. and you can't do the sacraments quite yet yeah so like what are you what do you get to do what, well, I get to do uh, basically anything that anybody in a parish can do, right? And and like but me? yeah, yeah, like you, like I can. Uh, I've I've been a little bit of teaching um, and catechizing, and so either as like a sort of guest for their the RCIA um, or also for the for the grade school, I've gone and visited there a couple times and, and try to teach them a little bit about reverence and and how to go through the mass. Um, 
some of it's just administrative you know kind of getting a getting a taste for the the sort of uh the, the bills and, and things like that for the uh, parish. So it's, you know, that's not as much fun, but, you know, has to be done. And, you know, I've done some things like um, take communion to the homebound mm, or nice. um, I did a couple of Ash Wednesday services at nursing homes. So things things like that where, you know, you're kind of going out to the to those who can't come to the church. Um, and, and so it's, it's just a little bit of everything kind of, you know, uh, doing, trying to cover all the bases and help out where I can. Um, and, and just really, you know, find ways to, to proclaim the word of God wherever I find myself, uh, throughout the course of this year. Now, when you visited my classroom Mm -hmm. and you said something about hanging out with the kids at the recess and playing soccer. Yes. Like you play, play. So did you play at like, I did. I played in high school. I played, Ah. uh, yeah. And, and well, one, I played four years, one year in middle school, three years in high school. Um, I was keeper. I was played goalie. Um, so that was, uh, that was my position, but I still do enjoy it. And actually I, uh, I'm playing on a rec, a rec league kind of adult really? league. Yeah. So with, uh, with my brother my and a couple of friends. Now. So, well, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a great sport. It's good fun. I, I enjoy it. It's, uh, what's your favorite yeah. team? See, I'm not really a fan of any team. That's the but because you don't watch Premier League or I well, I don't not regularly, but you know, every once in a while I watch it. My my brothers are very big Liverpool fans. Mm. I actually have two brothers who are Liverpool fans, one who is Manchester United. Um, and then I kind of just a few years ago tagged on it just for fun, just said I was a Tottenham fan. Yes, that's (laughs) the correct team. Now there you go. But that was more just kind of drawn randomly out of a hat. I have no real investment in that, so uh but you know, life goes on. That's a <laughs> could not have said a better team. Well, there you go. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy for you. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit, you know, preparing me for this moment. Preparing you for this moment. <laughs> See, Alan, I brought back in Premier League. You knew it was going to happen. So yeah. Yes, I love soccer. It's a beautiful sport. I work it in like pretty much every podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, there are worse things. There are. <laughs> so <laughs> back to um. I remember also when you were telling the kids about the practicorium. The practicums. The practicums. Yes, yes so, we have the yeah. practicums. That's just a fancy Latin-ish word for practice. Yes. <laughs> so tell us about that room because I thought that was incredible. Yeah, we have a we have a designated classroom um, in the seminary for practicing liturgies, right? Because, um, you know, a lot of what the priest does is liturgies. That would be like celebrating the Mass, hearing confessions, baptisms, weddings, funerals. Um, all that. So in that room, we have uh, a big, you know, kind of old baptismal font. We have a we have a casket that a funeral home donated yeah, wow, um, awesome. to to kind of yeah practice doing funerals. We have a baby doll. We have you know an, e- an old Easter candle. The kind the whole whole oh. nine yards, all the all the different elements of it. And so we have classes where we we practice you know celebrating the mass. We practice baptizing little baby dolls and. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, pretend to marry people and things things along those lines. Because and hear confessions. Hear confessions. Yep, yep. We do practice confessions, which um, I haven't had the pleasure yet of going through the practice confessions. But I hear sometimes they can be quite ridiculous. Oh. And, <laughs> you know, that's the that's the way it goes. So yeah, I mean, it, it's all important things that we need to practice because that's a lot of what we'll spend our time doing as priests, right? Yeah. God willing. And tell us how you're going to practice on an Easter candle. I mean, I have an inkling of what you're doing with that. Pascal candle, but tell us what would you do? What would you practice with that? Well, I mean that's for baptisms primarily, right? Mm-hmm. Is is um, it's lit during baptisms, and, and you're given 
uh, a candle to the to the child being baptized as a as a reminder of that they're receiving the light of Christ, that they're you know to bear that out in the world, and that the the parents and godparents are to help protect that faith right. that that they're giving their child, and then it's also used for funerals. Um, at the end of uh, one's life, when we're commending them to God, it's a reminder of that baptism, of that they've received the light of Christ, mm-hmm. and that we're as we give that person back to God, we're also you know we're entrusting them in faith to Christ, right. um, the same faith in which they were baptized. Beautiful. Um, and so yeah, we that's that's a that's a great sign and reminder of our faith, especially as we approach. Easter and and don't on Easter vigil you stick in the little parts. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't really practice that. Oh, you just have to like go in there and know what you're doing. Figure it out. Yeah, (laughs) it's all in the book. You just you know read it in the book and stick stuff in there. But yeah, I know you you stick in. um, You kind of trace a a sign of the cross on there. You trace um, an an alpha and omega, right? That Christ is the beginning and the end of of our faith. Um, And you always put the year in there. Um, so, you and know, 2023 like those... or 2024 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, the year my happens to be. And then I'm trying to remember. There's like the these year. pin things. Oh yeah. Those, uh, those represent, there's five, uh, of pins. I think they're usually made or like kind of wax encrusted yes. incense. Um, and they represent the five wounds of Christ. Right. Right. Cause, cause it's, we receive the light of Christ. We receive the light of faith and new life in baptism from the wounds of Christ on the cross. Right. As as the water, the blood and water poured forth from the side of Christ on the cross. We believe that's that's the wellspring of salvation right. that we receive the 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 um, the living water, the, the water that that, you know, will quenches all thirst that we that we don't need any anything more than Jesus there. Um, and, and so that those five, you know, um, little little pins are a reminder of yeah. that, that the wounds of Christ and the suffering he suffered so that we could. Be united to God. Yeah, and I think once you know all these different things mm-hmm. about what the candle gets used for and what what's on it, you can't look at it the same anymore. No, no. I mean, it, that's the the liturgy is one of my favorite things in mm. the church because everything is done for a reason. Yes. Right in in the books, if you as you read through the liturgical books, everything is done for a reason, and and it might not say it in the book, but there's you know. Lots of lots of ink spilled over, you know, what does the Easter candle mean and why is it important and why do we, you know, sprinkle with holy water and why do we baptize with water? Why do we use wheat bread for the Eucharist and and grape wine? Like why that's all really important. So everything has meaning and and nothing's on accident. And and I think that's that's a that's a beautiful way. It's you could spend, you know, lifetimes reading and studying all about that. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's just a beautiful thing to me that that the mystery of of our faith is is made present in in visible signs and tangible actions that we do. Right, we're not when we celebrate the mass, we're not just you know saying nice words about nice things. Yes, it's we're we're, we're representing, we're remembering the sacrifice of Christ, and we're making it present to our own experience so that we can have us have an encounter with with Jesus and and really grow in love of Him. Yeah, it's so beautiful, really. Mm-hmm. So, also, um, it just flew away. I had a comment for you, and it just flew away. It happens. It happens to me. Not very often, but... What are you um, going to do? I know. So, how did you discern priesthood? A lot of my discernment to the priesthood uh, came through discernment, what we'd call, like, the tradition would call discernment of desire, um, that the Lord places desires on your heart, to lead you to him, 
Um, and so, right. For example, for me, it's, I first desired, I wanted to serve the Lord. Like I had, I had an encounter with Christ, uh, in the Eucharist and especially in the sacrament of confession. Um, and, and through those sacraments, I encountered a deeper love for Christ and, and a sort of enduring love for Christ that I, I, you know, it, it made me want to draw closer to Christ, but it also want, made me want to share what I had received. Right. And so it was through the sacramental ministry of the church that I had received so much, and I wanted to give back in that same way. Um, and so I desired to be a priest so that I could give people what I had received, that I could um, follow the example of priests that, you know, I had that were role models for me. I could follow their example and give to people in that same way. And so, and as I as I kind of explored that desire, I went to seminary, just kind of open and and not really like sure, like yeah, I want to be a priest. It was more. I just want to do what God, God's will for my life, and I want to, to serve the church. Um, but as I went through seminary, I realized there was there was a sort of uh, a greater maturity that that came with that desire of saying I want to be in a special relationship with Christ mm-hmm. as a priest, right? Because a priest has a special relationship with Christ as high priest, um, and also a priest has a very special ministry, a very mm-hmm. unique ministry. And so there there's a sort of maturity of des- that desire. Um, that started as, you know, more or less what I what I like to say is I saw priests as cool guys who do cool things and I wanted to be a cool guy who did cool things to that that sort of that's where I was my starting point. And then I got to the point where it was like, no, a priest has a, a closeness to Christ as as with his priestly character and he shares in Christ's work in a unique way. And that's what I want to do. That's where I want to be. Um and so it's been that's been the process of of seminary is is leaning into that desire, seeking that desire, pursue, pursuing that desire, and, and letting God's grace transform me through that, um, and, and just letting letting God work and, and trying to cooperate as best I can with that. Wonderful, yeah. And I get that, like seeing like cool guys do cool things. I mean, and I said in a previous podcast how there was these nuns at the at Franciscan mm-hmm. at Bosco conference. And they had, uh, she had this little catechism, mm-hmm. just a little like plastic bound one. It was pocket sized and she could just whip that up and like quote out of it. And she like knew where everything was at. And I'm like, oh, I want to get that cool. And, and the fact that she just was pocket sized, yeah. I just said I had to get one. So I did. And yeah. I, I carried it all around. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, it, it's a interesting thing. Yeah. Just the, the sort of. A, a contagious holiness of, yes. of, of, you know, and, and that's what I, I consider myself very blessed of just growing up in a community where there were lots of, of men, both priests and, and married men who they just pursued relentlessly God's will for their life. And, and that was just sort of instilled. It wasn't, you know, uh, an option for me to not do that, to not be a part of, you know, the church and, and, and sort of the work of the church, whether, you know, it was just as a as a sort of your average parishioner who shows up on Sunday yeah. or or you know as you know a priest who's going to be there every day right it, it wasn't you know an option to say eh, you know it's not a big deal like it, it's a big deal right and and it should be a, a core and, and central part of our life um you know and it can look very different for different people but it's it's got to be there you know, there's there's no option otherwise because yeah. it's it's the source of everything in our lives. There's there's nothing that can be separated from it. Right. Well, I used to do corporate sales, and I would be in meetings to sell, you know, whatever I was selling and whatever mm-hmm. job it was. And 
the client would just all of a sudden ask me questions like, how do I, how do I pray? And they'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't know why I just asked you that. They're like, I'm so sorry. I just, I, I don't, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You can talk to me about that. I'm like, I know stuff. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's just really random that I said that. And I'm like, well, that's all right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm willing to talk about it if you are. And they're like, okay. And then we'd have a brilliant conversation about prayer and mm-hmm. like how to do it and like where different ways that you can like get more comfy, cozy with it and stuff like that. And, or they'd be like, I don't understand, like, you know, why do we have to get married at a church or mm-hmm. something like that? And they'd be like, oh, my gosh. Once again, they would say, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. And then I learned later on that I had this charism of encouragement. Yeah. And that just that's what was allowing these people to that charism working through me made them feel comfortable to say that. Yeah. And the charism of teaching that was also given <laughs> allowed me to be comfy cozy of explaining things to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another way, right. Of that's another sort of mode of discernment I would say is, is recognizing the gifts that God has given you and, and saying, you know, this is the gifts God has given me. Where does that lead me in my life and taking advantage of the opportunities that arise because of those, um, whether it's, you know, through work or mm-hmm. through your job or, you know, whether it's something something bigger or grander, right? There's right. there's certainly different the different charisms can lead us to different places in life. And and God has given you those gifts, right? The the charisms are, are graces from the Holy Spirit instilled at your baptism. Right. And so it's it's something that God has intended for you from the beginning of time to, to enter into that type of ministry. Um, and it's just a matter of where where you might find yourself exercising that. I know. <laughs> and you know, have I had more joy from those conversations than making the big sales. Oh, yeah, praise God. That's the and that's the truth, right? That's the that's the fruit of the spirit at work, right there. Right, and I I liked making big sales. <laughs> Feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but those days sat with me so much longer than mm-hmm. those big sales because as soon as one big sale was done, you needed the next one. Mm-hmm. But I could eat on the joyfulness of that one encounter for a much, much longer time. I mean, really, I still feel the joy from those encounters Mm -hmm. now. And that's what I discerned of making the whole career change. Yeah. To be as like, I need to do this all the time. Mm -hmm. I want that joy always. And I want to share the joy of the whole Catholic faith with others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just, Loved it. I needed them. I needed everybody to realize that being Catholic can be a lot of fun. I don't think people forget how fun we are. We have a no. lot of feast days. Oh, yeah. And we have a lot of fun ways to celebrate those feast days. Mm-hmm. And it's so rich and full, our, our faith. And it's so satisfying. But if you don't try to know it, it's really hard to grasp at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that's the actually I have I have a book on my bookshelf. I haven't gotten the chance to read it yet, but um, which is true of many of my books. But <laughs> uh, it's uh, Saints aren't sad. Saints are not sad. That's the title oh. of the book by uh, I think it's uh, Frank Sheed. Um, but anyway, but I mean it made me think of it's that's the that's the truth, right? Following Christ, following you know the Holy Spirit, it's not going to make you sad. It's not going to make you you know some 
solemn, heartless, you know, crying saint in the, you know, it, it, it's, it's a joyful experience. And, and at the same time though, it's, it's a, it's a trying experience, right? Because as much joy as we can have on this earth following God's will, there's more. And, and, and as we, as we enter into that, we realize that there's more, there's more that God has to offer for us, right? There, there's a whole nother life to come. There's a whole nother transformation to come. Um, and so it's, it's joyful, but it's also hard because we want to get there. We want to kind of cross that line. Um, but it's a sign that the Lord's Lord isn't done with you yet. No. Um, that, that you're here, that you're, you're able to serve him and, and to glorify him, um, in, in everything you do and to proclaim his, his word, uh, to, to whoever might, might be able to, to hear it, um, in, in the various ways you can. And, and so it's a, it's a great, great joy and, and longing and, and hope for, for the, for the closeness to God because we ever we want to be ever closer to God um, and, and we're taking those steps each and every day yeah and then um, my Lenten reflection that I've been doing the, the booklet that I've been doing it had a quote recently that said I do not promise that you no this world doesn't offer you comfort but the next one does mm-hmm. and so something like that I messed it up it's close enough it's close enough but basically like just just the gist of it. <laughs> and like I have haven't had a particularly trying day that day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's right. This day is nothing compared to that length of time that's going to come next. Yeah. And I'm always, the other thing I'm always, besides the joyfulness, is I have a true devotion to the holy souls. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always plugging more people to pray for the holy <laughs> souls because I always tell them, I was like, I'm going to be there, guys. And I'm gonna need you to pray for me, because <laughs> I'm gonna be there someday in purgatory. Oh yeah. And I'm gonna need you. I'm gonna need your prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's beautiful, beautiful devotion. So, do you have any words of advice to the young men out there? Um, a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, I always just say, go for it. It can't. Seminary can't hurt you. That's the. It's it's. Uh, it might not be, you know, um, it might not be for you, right? The, the priesthood might not be for you. But if there's even, you know, a, a shadow of a possibility that God's calling you to be a priest, you should pursue that because, you know, and, and pursue that by going to seminary because the seminary is the place to discern, right? There, there's no better place to discern either at a, you know, the, some dioceses have a discernment house. It's a house where guys live and girls live to to discern what what God is calling them to, if he's calling them to the priesthood or to the religious life. Um, or some, some diocese will just send you straight to seminary and say, you know, discern what God's will is for you. Because the attitude of, of you know, every vocations director that I've seen is either, you know, we're going to send a guy to seminary and they're going to go and become a priest. And that's great. Or we're going to send a guy to seminary. They're going to become a better Catholic man. Mm. And then they're going to go out and they're going to get, you know, either get married or go to a religious order and they're going to serve the church in a new way. And that's great as well. Yes. So there's there's nothing wrong with going to the seminary and turning out. It's it's there can only be positives. And, and so really just just go for it or or really, really take it to prayer. Right. As well, because, you know, you can't just say like. Oh, maybe God's calling me to be a priest, but unless He like slaps me over the head by the do the two by four, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about it, or I'll think about it later. There, there's no real sense in thinking about it later. Just 
take care of it now. And then you can be at peace with, with whatever God um, says to you, whether it's to go to seminary or to not. Um, because sometimes, you know, it's not, that's, that's the answer. And so, um, if, if you really address it face on, and then I think that's, I guess, maybe the, the core of what I'm getting at is, is you need to, you need to come face to face with that. Um, if you think it's even a remote possibility to say, you know, God, what do you, what do you want for me in this? Because if you, if you let it, if you kind of try to shove it off into the, into the dark corners, it, it's going to come back to bite you one way or the other um, in the end. And and so we, I would just say, and that's, that's true of everything in the spiritual life in any kind of discernment or any kind of growth, you always want to, you want to bring it to the light, bring it to, you know, your vocations director or to your prayer or to your pastor or to some other, you know, priest or spiritual advisor and just, you know, face it um, because it is, it can be a scary thing. There's, there's a lot of difficulty um you know, in the life of a priest, in the life of a seminarian. There's a lot of difficulty, though, in married life, too. I was going to say that. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it, you know, yeah. there's a lot of difficulty in life. So there, it, it's... Um, and there's difficulty in singlehood, too. Yeah, yeah, there, there's difficulty in life. And so just just face it, because if you follow God's will for you, the joy that he gives you, the peace that he gives you, will make it easier to bear that burden, will make it easier to bear the difficulties in life. And so just, just pursue it, you know, one way or another, don't hold back and, and, and let God, let God do his work. Yeah. So I remember one of the classes that you said was your favorite was moral theology. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite classes too, when I was getting my master's. And ah, so tell me why you like moral why? theology. Because I can, what I believe, that would fit perfectly what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. when you have the moral theology down, you can be a better whatever you end up being. Yeah. Better Christian, better Catholic, oh, yeah. better husband, better wife, better priest, better layperson, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Better yeah. brother, sister, you know, like, oh, just, yeah, I see it. All right, so tell me your spin on it. Why do you like moral theology? Well, I think there's a handful of reasons. Um I think one, and this is lower down, you know, this, okay. is, this is a more base reason, but it's it often can turn into like a puzzle that you try to solve yes. of like figuring out like what principles apply in this scenario. And you kind of have like case study type pro- like issues that you, you address all the time. And so it's 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 like a puzzle and, and you're trying to find like the right answer. Um, and me, I'm, I'm more inclined to like math and science myself mm-hmm. in general. And I think that you know, sort of objectivity, like trying to find the right answer yes. is attractive to me. Um, so that's more just like a disposition. My my own kind of disposition leads me towards that. Yeah, and I but, like that too because, like, he would give us a dilemma in mm-hmm. class and then he'd be like, I want you to, you know, these people are to argue this point mm-hmm. of view and these people are supposed to argue this point of view and ready, go. And so we had to go in the chat rooms and then – deliberate all against each other and it was um quite incredible yeah and and that that process so i think the two other you know maybe slightly greater reasons that i enjoy it and that it find it you know kind of transformative and challenging in in two ways is that you have a sense of right this is really important right what we do is really important and and moral theology, right, is is the study of what ought we to do yes. in one scenario or next. So that's that's a really important aspect. But then, you know, there's other times when it's been really challenging for me of, you know, I hear a problem and it's like I jump to an answer right away. 
And then I realized, wait a minute, that's not the right answer. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the right answer, but not for the reason I thought it was. Um, and so I think it's I've, it's been really challenging for me of like of r- kind of revealing my own sort of assumptions or my own sort of, you know, weaknesses, so to speak, of of just assuming, oh, that's the right answer. And I know why yeah. um, it, it's so it's been a, a little bit, you know, humbling and, and just a little bit, you know, a chance to sort of reflect on my own way of thinking um, to, to see what, you know what the truth is and, and, you know, pursuing the truth in charity, um, and, and all that. And so it's, it's a, it's a beautiful way to balance, you know, truth and charity. Um, yes. Which is a big, big theme in the gospel of John. It is. Which is a huge. And I just, I really enjoyed that class. Yeah. And when we went through it, um, and how we did broke down each commandment and how deep each commandment goes for all aspects of our lives, mm-hmm. regardless of what vocation you go into, and how much real responsibility we all have mm-hmm. and in every choice we make all day long and how it can relate back to a commandment. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the, the core of life. I don't know. It's the, it's the sort of sense of, you know, our choices matter and it, it can reveal to you like when you don't aren't really making a choice or you, maybe you're, you know, doing good things, but you're not actually really choosing them. It's just kind of revealing your own habits, uh, both good and bad, right? And Mm -hmm. and just bringing a lot more intentionality to the way you live your life of, I want to do this because it's, you know, this is why. And being able to say why I'm pursuing the good um, in this this scenario, why and how. So Because you you want to and you have a devotion and a will for it versus I want to look like good. Mm -hmm. It's more than when you're, is, are you doing it for your own vanity? Yeah. Or or to you know to look how are you how are you perceived by others? Mm-hmm. That's you know yeah. what you what your intent like mm-hmm. you said I think that's something that we don't always think all the way through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, um tell me a couple of fun facts about you. Fun facts about myself. Well, um, when I was in college seminary, I drove a minivan, 2003 Ford Windstar, all, all the way through college, got me back and forth from here to St. Paul, where I went to seminary, you know, uh, about a couple dozen times. And so, you know, <laughs> that 10 hour drive. Oh yeah. It, it's, it's a hike, but I, I enjoyed it I, by the end of it. I really just enjoyed driving. I like driving in general anyway, but yeah, that, that little minivan, you know, <laughs> I think 275,000 miles later, it was, uh, it was a little bit sad, but you know. Life, Did life you shake that. a little okay. bit when you go over that one bridge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, let's see. What else? So I have, I have nine siblings. Mm-hmm. I'm the fifth of ten. Um, I'm actually my second youngest sister's godfather. Oh. So, um, yeah, my, my little sister Maggie is my, is my goddaughter. Um, she's also my favorite sister. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she knows that, and so does everybody else. <laughs> it's, no, it's no secret. Um but uh, yeah, and it's a it's a good life. Lived a good life. I've been blessed. So I I like to, I like to cook as well. Um, recently, been getting more into bread baking, um, oh. sourdough bread specifically, and so and fermenting. Did my bread came up to snuff then the one I brought. Yeah, I mean it's good. It was, it's, that was a good bread. That was, that was a really good bread. <laughs> and what about what about the rest of my culinary treat? Oh, it was excellent. <laughs> it was excellent. No no complaints from me. All right, excellent. <laughs> I strive. Oh yeah, I, that's like one of my. You know, one of the things I call is my shiny medals. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I just love to cook. I love to kind of figure things out, and and I, I, I like to cook for people mostly too. If I was left to cook for myself, ninety percent of the time, I'd have you know, quesadillas and peanut butter and jelly. Okay, um, <laughs> but I, I do really enjoy I enjoy cooking for people and, and giving people good, good meals. Yes, because um, that's that's a lot of the joy in it for me is to is to provide good food. I also enjoy good food myself. But, I like to eat a lot. Um, and I like the science behind cooking. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's a... Uh, yeah. When you learn why you do the certain things you do, like browning the meat, so key. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes it so much better. And like people, like when they make pot roast, they don't brown the meat. And no. I'm like, dude, you guys got to do that. You got to sear in. Those brown sugars have to come all the way out <laughs> so that you can really make it. It totally makes a completely different change oh, to yeah. the meat. How yeah, that's the, that's the difficulty, though, too, with baking. But I've, mm. I've really struggled with baking because it's all about, you know, air and ratios and moisture <laughs> level. And it's and fat. The Yeah. The, the precision involved in baking is not my not my gift, but <laughs> I try. <laughs> so are you like are you one of those kind of cooks that like guesstimates? Oh, yeah. Like this look. Oh, OK. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all about the pinches and the in the, you know, dashes and <laughs> well, when I pinch of this dash of that. About the first 10 times I make a recipe, it's very precision based. Mm -hmm. But then once we get to about this is like when I made that flan mm -hmm. or the shepherd's pie, it was all I. Oh, yeah. It's like I know how to do this jam. Let's just go. Yeah. I mean, sometimes if I if I really want to make something and I've failed like three or four times, then I'll actually care very carefully follow a recipe. Mm. Um, but often I'll get, sometimes I get like halfway into a recipe and then I'm just like, I don't <laughs> care anymore. Like just kind of like figuring it out, <laughs> going by feel. But I mean, I, I don't mind it because usually eventually I'm able to figure things out. And then once I kind of figure it out, once I figure something out, like I could, I don't need a recipe really. I just, I, I go off book a lot when I'm cooking. And do substitutions and things that, you know, probably shouldn't be done. And most of the time it works out okay. But So is there like a cookbook release in your future? Probably not. Because <laughs> I never write anything down. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll just have like a YouTube channel where you're maybe, making it. And be like, all right, we're making this night now. Yeah. But I don't know how helpful that would be to people if they're trying to follow along, though. <laughs> I'm a bit too scattered for that. <laughs> I don't think most of those cooking shows are very ordered. I mean, yeah. can you really follow along? I think some of them you can. I mean, it depends on how hard they try. Like if they talk about measurements and things like that. or I suppose, but I don't ever write them down. I always take it as like, this is an idea of something that I want to make. Yeah. Like this is inspiration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the way I take it too. Yeah. I just, you just got to, when you're cook, you just got to be not afraid to try things. No. That's, I think that's what holds a lot of people back is they get intimidated and they get afraid to, you know, mess up, which there's not a lot of things I'd be afraid to mess up. There's one thing I want to I want to make beef Wellington at oh. some point, but that's a that's a expensive mistake <laughs> if you mess that up because of the yeah because it's because of the meat that's expensive meat and so yeah. you don't want to you don't want to screw that one up so that that's been one of the few things I've been a little bit too intimidated to try. <laughs> <laughs> so the one and only time that I had a beef Wellington, it was at awards and we were at the um the Palm Hotel mm -hmm. in New York City. And they served that. Yeah. And it was delicious. But I can't imagine how much that costs to make. Yeah. No, it's, uh, well, I mean, because you usually, you got to buy a big piece of filet mignon yeah. which, to, to make it, which that's, I guess you can get smaller ones. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a process. 
to to do so and it's a, it's a bit of a delicate you know always always the mixing of meat and pastries is yes. always a, a bit of a dangerous game oh, but it's so delicious <laughs> oh man i could talk about food forever but it's been a pleasure having you here. Oh, it's yeah, it's been a pleasure to be here. I hope you don't become a stranger. <laughs> you already heard people at the church and yeah. at the school were like, we hope you come back. Yeah, well, we'll have to make something happen. Yes, and I hope that by listening to your video that um, others get inspired to just take the opportunity to discern mm -hmm. or just to be open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and no matter, like, if, if you're married or if you, you know, you already have five kids, like, it, the discernment doesn't stop. No, um, and and it never never really stops. And God, God's always calling. God's always calling you to something new, something more. So uh, really, really lean into it, embrace it. Thank you. That's mm -hmm. all we have time for today. Keep it posted. Um, we'll have more podcasts coming out for our Lenten series. Have a nice night.